because you were cursed by the ultimate evil. Welcome to a new world of gods and monsters. Hello and welcome back to the Substandard, sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only 5 bucks with free shipping by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Jonathan Vlast and Sunny Bunch. I'd like to remind you that the Substandard is available on iTunes and Google Play. Just look under podcasts and search for Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review. Are we doing reviews? Uh, JBL said he was disappointed in all of your reviews this week. So try harder, and we'll 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 be back with one next week. You know, we can also introduce new elements. You know how we always talked about we have to have elements for the show, right? And Let's I was do a big block. One. <coughs> a big block is a great idea, and we could do a sound effect for that. Thank you. Or it's just like a thud, you know? And then, uh, thank you there. That's good. I'm like that guy from the Police Academy movies. Well, Michael Winslow. Yeah, that's me. I'm just. You can do sirens. Sunny Bunch sound effect machine man. Machine guns. Yeah, that's great. Was that Donald Duck or was that machine guns? Yeah, I don't that know. That was a Donald Duck machine that's, uh, gun. That's Donald Duck doing you know a machine you gun. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of. This is a great start to the show, guys. This is great this is weird, start. Really. I, I was thinking now that the O'Reilly factor is no longer on the air, maybe we can uh, steal one of their segments, Word of the Word of the Day. Remember how he used to do that? And it was kind of unclear if he knew what the word of the day was, because he would be like, the word of the day is turpitude. Don't be a turpitude when <laughs> watching the factor. He used to say stuff like that. Okay. We could do, yes. yes literally, I've literally never <laughs> Oh, you don't watch the factor? the factor? Oh, yes. Don't be a verbiage when watching, when listening to the substandard. Or we could do uh, Sunny Bunch words. You know, the, word, the word of the week is grok. Word of the week is garbage <laughs> millennial. <laughs> You are a garbage because millennial. Because every, every, every Sunny Bunch review I read, I always feel like I have to look up a word. Look, that's good. I'm, I'm basically... <laughs> I, but I have to look it up on the internet. It's not William, my Merriam-Webster. I'm the William Sapphire of uh, pop culture <laughs> movie reviews. Oh, poor William Sapphire. Uh, in addition, we'd like to remind you that substandard show notes posted by Jonathan Last are available every Friday at 11 a.m. I don't know if I'm going to keep doing that. Ooh, weeklystandard.com. You mean, don't, Maybe. Don't, don't look back this Friday. Oh. This Friday probably won't have any. Okay. No, I have to travel the end of the week. Oh, yes. And so okay. I oh, will. are you going to uh, Colorado? I am. Lucky you. Have you done that before? Yes. I've taking, never. Uh, I'm taking my oldest kid. Oh, it's gonna be my great. goodness. I he, He's a lucky kid because he got to go with you to Yellowstone, didn't he, once? Uh, he did, and to Alaska, oh, and to the Caribbean. Why don't you take me sometime, because I'm never going to the Broadmoor. You and I used to do, you remember we used to go on cruises together, <laughs> and they made a share room. Remember, they <laughs> made us and Remember, share room. some of those cruises weren't even weekly standard cruises. We just did them. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, how are we doing? That time then? we took yeah. the canoe out on the Potomac at midnight. <laughs> yes, uh, Love Canal. Um, the Tunnel of Love. Uh, JVL, how, how are you doing? Great. Okay. Great. I uh, went to a ball game with my kids on Saturday night. It was bobblehead night at the local uh, minor league team. What well, used to be the Potomac Cannons, but it's the now Potomac Nationals, and we were sitting there. And my, I think I've told you guys before about how my son has this ridiculous sports life where it's not real. Like he just 
falls in love with the Cubs and the Cubs, you know, six months later win the World Series and he falls in love with the Patriots and the Patriots are down 28 points in the Super Bowl and he goes, ah, they can come back, don't worry. And they, they do. Uh, I was, so we go to a lot of baseball games because this minor league park is about two miles down the road from us. And I would say Cody gets a ball once of every two and a half games on average. Okay, I've, you know, people go as there in a player a, again as a player. Here, here, kid, have a ball, either, or either he catch a, either a foul ball comes to him, or a player flips one to him, or what? It, it, one time they were sitting behind us uh, was the parents of one of the players, and we started like chatting with them, and they like handed him a ball signed by their son, and it just. Anyway, so we were at the game on Saturday night, and the visiting team, the Down East Wood Ducks, out of Kin- the mighty Wood Ducks out of Kinston, uh, we're over by the third base side. There's a pop fly. The uh, third baseman makes a run for it and sort of leans over the, the fence right by us to get it. And Cody jumps up and starts shouting, great play, number 36. Nice job. And I get the sense this guy is not really used to having the home oh, team fans yeah, sure. like... And so he sort of looks over at Cody, kind of like half surprised, and flips the ball to him and says, "Thanks, and Cody." And it's, 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 you know, for Cody, this is just yeah, what happens, happens at the ballpark. That. Yeah, and this I is like, yeah, yeah, catch it, yeah. I tried to tell him, you know, I'm 42 years old and I have never gotten a ball at a baseball game, and he's like, "Really? Well, you can have one of mine, Dad." <laughs> oh, uh, and he keeps. No, I'm not even kidding. So he keeps next to his bed on the floor in his room. So crazy. A pile of all of the Car- official <laughs> Carolina League baseballs that he has gotten over time. And he has so many of these things that sometimes he will use them, like just to throw around outside when we just got to have, have a catch. catch. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the game used official ball. Well, let's just have a catch with one of those. It's great. You oh. know, I remember um, going to a baseball game at what used to be called Pac Bell, uh, where the Giants played. Oh. Yeah. And it was the Giants versus the Rockies. Barry this is Bonds. In the late 70s? <laughs> no, no, no. It was. It was the week before 9-11. How do you like that? Oh, my yeah, gosh. It was the week before 9-11. Wow. Um, and uh, Barry Bonds was playing, and he- His head is bigger than yours. Is it really? Or mm-hmm. is it just- It even, used to be. Even with his roided out body, you're saying. True. Right? Back it in the used to be. Days, I think it's, his it was head much, is actually like kind of right, more it was normal much, size It now. was much more noticeable. But, you know, it was he or uh, one of his other giant teammates that hit- uh, uh, a uh, home run into the stands, and I remember that ball coming at me. The speed of that ball coming down is so fast. I couldn't run away fast enough. Did I was so cry? scared. I was just cry. I didn't have, my, I didn't right have a glove. Cry. I didn't want to hurt my hands. No, uh, somebody else caught it. I, but I was kind of scared. Did you duck a little bit? Uh, I went. Ah, I covered my face. Ah. ah, not my face. Okay, Sonny. Oh my. God. That's How the moneymaker. <laughs> <laughs> not in the moneymaker. Sonny. Uh, I, the only baseball that I've gotten at a baseball game was a home run and batting practice hit by B.J. Surhoff when he was playing for the Orioles a long time ago. Uh, Didn't I he hit 45 home runs in a season during the steroid era? B.J. Surhoff. I don't think... I feel, like he, and Brady Brady I feel like he and Brady Anderson both jumped into the 40s one year out uh, of nowhere. He might have. I mean, it's entirely possible. <laughs> Probably because they were doing low-weight high reps and a lot low of weight skinless high reps. chicken. Skinless yeah. chicken. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, uh, things are, things are good with me. Uh, my biggest, the biggest thing that's happened to me in the last week is I almost bought a pair of yellow pants. I, I was at the Brooks Brothers at the do outlet you, mall. Do you own and I was salmon? Like, ooh, do you own salmon ooh, colored? Yellow pants. They're only $20. You, almost bought them. Didn't, do you own, do you own salmon colored pants? Uh, lime green? No. Our no, buddy no. David I could Skinner picture, used to rock salmon no, pants. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He could wear those. Yeah. 
No, I just have I have like jeans and charcoal. And I like my, the fanciest pants that I own are those houndstooth pants that you see sometimes. You those are, should those have are like, bought the yellow pants. I should have. I really should have. I almost did. Because you're a like, trendsetter. Like, and then uh, other people would feel finally comfortable wearing uh, yellow pants. Do you do you have yellow pants you want to wear? <laughs> you wanna, uh, I'm ju- I just looked it up, by the way. BJ Surhoff's best year was 28 home runs in oh, 1999. Okay. I was impugning him incorrectly. I'm sorry, uh, BJ. But that was, definitely a, that was definitely a spike. I mean, from like 1995. So he he never hit more than 10 home runs in a season before <laughs> 1995. Never mind. I'm not impugning you unfairly. And then from 1995 to 2000 or so, he averaged about... About if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, he averaged about 18 or 19 home runs a season. So yeah, there was definitely just 100% a 100% increase. That's cool. Definitely a modest bump in the uh, uh, prime years of 30 to 35 yeah. of his age. So yeah. that happens. Uh, Look, that's just a thing that happens naturally. Yeah. Look at Serena Williams and how wonderful she's the resurgence she has had in her career. Hey, did you want to talk about Rafael Nadal? I know that you you have you have a piece up today about Nadal. Oh, JVL, uh, you do. I don't want to. Uh, our audience doesn't care about this, and this comes out on Thursday, and the French Open will be long. Yeah, no, we don't want to talk about that. Did the French I, I'm happy Open? If you want to talk I, about, I, it, I'm happy I, to talk about it. Did I miss the French Open? Yeah, you missed the whole yeah. French how Open. Did I miss the French I don't. I, I don't know. I used to it's get up early Sunday to get yeah. my croissants. Just <laughs> give us in one sentence what's your case for Rafael Nadal over Roger Federer. Uh, as I said in my piece, I don't actually believe my case. I'm simply mounting the devil's argument. Right, right, right. So, no, but okay. What's the what's the devil's devil's argument for the devil's argument for Rafael Nadal? Is he is now past Pete Sampras on his own. He is only three majors behind Federer. You have to understand that he lost prime time in his what should have been the prime, like a, probably two seasons worth of major attempts with really bad injuries during what would have been the meat of his career, which Federer did not have. And you can't you can't make use injuries as an excuse for everything. Mm-hmm. But for a guy who is already the number two all time on the list, and the the, the third piece of this puzzle is then uh, he owns Federer head to head. And not just in the total numbers skewed at the you know the very end when Federer was on the decline and not always. So, I mean, during the meat of Federer's career, when Federer was as untouchable as he's ever been, uh, Nadal owned him, and especially in big matches. Um, and then you could also like the, the, the final like little piece of this. I think Nadal, the one thing he's legitimately better at, like a lot better at, uh, is the head stuff, in that he compartmentalizes points better than Federer does. Federer is a mentally strong player in that he is able to crank things up to a gear that other people don't have, and that is a mental thing. But he's a front runner, and if he gets behind a little bit, it, it does stay with him between mm-hmm. points. It stays in his head. So yeah. Nadal is not like that. Nadal can be down two sets and two breaks, and he doesn't even know it. Are there any sort of rumors or allegations about Nadal and uh, steroids? There had been some right. uh, because early he had, on. he had a bunch he of like hamstring injuries. Guns. And, like, I mean, right well, you know, remember right. when he was 16 years old, he yeah. had these bulging biceps, mm-hmm. which are not tennis muscles traditionally. I mean, I had them, obviously. Right. <laughs> but uh, and you too, back when you were a high I, school tennis I player, was ripped, right? I, yeah. was, I basically was like uh, Chris Jericho. That's what I looked like <laughs> on the tennis court. With the That's... hair, was your hair long? No. But I, yes, actually, for the purposes of this conversation, okay. it was real long, and I had a, I had, I had, uh, you know, some some really some great <laughs> muscles. That was definitely what I looked like. So I mean, what do you guys? My, my mother wanted me to be like Michael Chang. 
Thank you. Why, why Michael Chang? Why, Michael why did she that's want what Michael Chang? That's what I said to my mom. I said, she wanted you to mom? serve underhanded. God, your mom is, yeah, that's what she your meant. Your mom's a racist. Your that's mom what is she meant. Racist. I couldn't believe that my mother said that. <laughs> that's her nice way of saying, Vic, oh. just serve underhanded <laughs> to try to beat the tall that's, white boys. That's, that's what she meant. No, uh, you know, they did a special... With uh, who used to uh, uh, who used to give the uh, 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 maybe it was Dick Edfield or whatever his name was. I'm Dick Edberg. Edberg, thank you. And I think he gave a narrated uh, version of the Chang Lendl French Open match, and uh, it was like uh, David and Goliath. You know how they did it up, and my mother cried. My mother cried at the end of that match. That was as angry as I have ever seen a professional tennis player. Like legit oh, angry. Yeah, Lendl was as angry. I mean, angrier than... I mean, if Jimmy Connors or John McEnroe got angry, you just thought they were going to like curse at you. This was Thomas Muster level, like something horrible could have happened in that moment. <laughs> Thomas Muster level. It was like Thomas Muster versus Amos Mansdorf. There do was you, some element of, I'm not shaking your hand. When yeah. Muster came over the net at somebody, I, I forget who this was. It wasn't an amazing. He was trying. Think. He was half kidding, half kidding, right? Yeah. He's like half kidding. You know, when you have a giant Austrian yeah. comes at you with a, a racket, it's time to run. See, okay. this is it's what, time to flee to Switzerland. So, yes. <laughs> sorry, Sunny. What do you what do you think on the Nadal Federer question? Are you hashtag Team Nadal? Uh, no, team I'm Rafa. I'm definitely Team Federer. But I mean, I, I do. As think am it's, I. I. I think it's definitely right. worth acknowledging that Nadal is the greatest clay court player who has ever played. He's the greatest clay court player who has ever lived. He's better than Bjorn Borg. He's better than. Better than anybody. Better, and better that's than not any, a by, conversation. By like, by like a, a very wide distance. Yes. By like secretariat levels yeah. of winning. Like yes. I mean, it, it's like it's not. He's even like close. Babe Ruth in nineteen thirty-five. Yeah. You know, um, he's, yes. Uh, off of clay, he has had success, uh, and I don't think anyone would deny that he is. Uh, I mean, I he's uh, of of the players in the last you know thirty years or so. You have Sampras and Federer and Nadal in some order. Um, See, I don't even think it's an argument with Sampras and Nadal anymore. See, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he is the the problem is it's it's not so much the like when I when I think about Nadal's numbers being skewed, I think about how good he is on clay versus like I mean he is like he's just racking up tons and tons of majors. How many majors? How many French Opens has he won now? Ten. Ten. So he's won ten French Opens. I mean, like, and there's a reason he is like the French Open is such it's played on such a unique and weird surface. That it kind of skews how everything else works, you know. I, I mean, I, you know what I'm saying. I, I, like- I do, but let me, let me, let me. Two, two points. I would come back to you with. Uh, the first is that he actually did learn to play on the other surfaces in ways that Sampras never did. Sampras doesn't have a French because he couldn't no, master no, the dirt. He couldn't, he couldn't Lendl couldn't win on grass because he. I mean, so lots yeah. of truly great players have have been surface specialists in one and never been able to learn yeah. how to win on the other. But the other is uh, so. Federer partisans will often say, we, we discount how great Federer is because if not for Rafa Nadal, Federer would have 30 majors and two grand slams. And that is probably true. Mm-hmm. If Rafa Nadal had grown up and decided to play soccer instead, uh, Federer would have won 30 yeah. slams, which is amazing. But you could also put that shoe on the other foot, which is that if Federer wasn't playing. It wasn't the greatest of all time. Uh, Nadal would probably have 25 majors. Yeah. There are a no, bunch I, I of hardcourt uh, right. majors and a couple Wimbledons that he wins probably if Federer isn't playing. So this is why I, I don't... The fact that he has won on other surfaces 
but maybe not as yeah. many as he wouldn't would have in a, a alternate universe. Well, I mean, the, the, I don't hold that against him. The David Foster Wallace piece on Roger Federer, which is like one of the best pieces of writing about sports ever. Ever, it, it like it really gets to the thing about Roger Federer that makes him great, which is that you just watch him and you wonder how he does the things that he does. The greatest ball there's, striker ever. There's, and I've never, I've never felt the same way about Nadal. Like I understand Nadal's game in a in a very rudimentary you know sense i can i see him moving around the court and i see him just being a a, a kind of monster but i he, he i've i've never had the kind of jaw dropping like oh my god moments that you get with federer once or twice a tournament well nadal is underrated as a court tactician i mean nadal really constructs points no, in but ways I mean, that I, federer doesn't like federer right. just creates magic right right no but i yeah. but this is what i mean is like yeah. i can see what nadal is doing like i right. understand what he's doing yeah. on the court in a way that like with federer he just like throws his racket out there and he hits the greatest shot you've ever seen from you know behind his back running away from the ball I, like i just don't know how he does it yeah and you know what and that's the exact same reason i wind up as you know team federer on this yeah. as well Victorino, well, uh, who, I, I was I was just going to say, uh, unfortunately, there were no Grand Slams at the box office this weekend. Good. Yeah. Oh. There was a woman at Fox 5, the local affiliate she used to do. It's a good uh, transition. Can we just give him a little <laughs> tennis clap for that? Oh, I'll take the tennis clap. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, there was a woman uh, who used to do uh, years ago the, um, the traffic for Fox, and she was always trying to find um, segues, no matter what, to get it to, uh, to, to her traffic segment. And the segment prior to her, I remember once watching, this is where I learned my shtick, uh, the segment prior to her was on tennis. It was probably that tennis tournament up in, uh, you know. Le- formerly the Leg Mason. Yeah, the Leg Mason tournament. No, right? no longer the Leg Mason. What's right. it called now? City Open. City yeah. Open, that's right. C-I-T-I. And then they went, and then they went that's right, CITI. And then they were like, okay, Robin, and uh, to you in traffic. And she goes, well, you're not going to be serving any aces on the beltway this morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, over the weekend, the mummy did thirty-two million dollars domestically. Hey, better than Chav Arthur, <laughs> and Wonder Woman did fifty-seven million. Dominated, dominated that box office. Um, who saw the mummy here? I saw the mummy. Oh, and you I know what? You know what? I saw the mummy too, and I was hoping I could read my review. Yeah, go Can ahead. I read go my for review? It. Thank you. Okay, Please. I wrote it down. The mummy will have audiences wrapped around its finger. With eye-popping special effects, audiences will be on the edge of their seats. Beware the high priest Imhotep, who comes back to life but must be stopped by the swashbuckling Rick O'Connell, played by the always dashing Brendan Fraser. And what's this? A love triangle between Rick Imhotep and the lovely, delectable Evelyn Carnahan, played by the up-and-comer Rachel Weisz. I tell you, one day she's destined to be a star. Was this uh, Gene Shalit? <laughs> Gene Shalit. And I also, Gene I also took a DeLorean. Back in time to watch The Wrong Mummy. Yeah, right. Okay, no, can, I, can I tell you a little something about that movie? The Sonny, original? You will appreciate this. Please. That is the first movie that I saw upon installing for the first time in my life Dolby 5.1 sound. Oh. And it was mind-blowing. <laughs> because you're a home AV nerd as well, right? No. I actually, oh, I thought you were. No, I, uh, I, well, I, I care a lot about TVs. I don't care at all about sound. I have a sound bar. I have a sound bar with like a subwoofer right next to my couch downstairs. On the TV upstairs, I just use the TV speakers. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, TV speakers are great. Yeah. 
I should. They so, I'm they sorry. They sound really good. I mean, I assume yeah. they sound they sound probably ninety nine percent as. Good. Sometimes I turn on the. Yeah. No, the, totally. Sometimes I turn on the uh, uh, sim simulated three D. Oh, you use the simulated three D. Yeah, that's simulated three really, D, and yeah. it throws it really. Vic, it's really pretty amazing. What it does is it throws yes, tell the me, sound Sonny, around the room. I have no idea room. what you're talking about. So you, it sounds like you have a surround sound system. It's a very close facsimile, maybe ninety nine percent. And you know, it's like science. you like hear you hear the bullets next to you, and it's like, whoa! I thought I had a speaker there, but I don't. It's just the sound bar throwing the sound around. I love that. That's great. I'm I mean, it's so much better. Try. It's so much better than That's getting really a surround exciting. sound system. It's cheaper. It's easier to install. It, the sound is just as good. Jonathan's nodding. Yes. Yep. No. Yeah. No. It's just as good. No, just as good. All fine. My, f- I'm sure I am. Fine. Uh, needless to say, uh, obviously, you know, I'm not a uh, uh, tech person in that sense. My father is, of course, and he's always constantly dad playing is always front here. speakers, yes. back speakers, and he switched to the both speakers on the corners and the whole thing. And but so much tinkering that it's like, you know what I mean? The sound is like you'll hear like a large crash behind you, and then no dialogue because the dialogue's muffled, and it's always having to do with the central channel speaker or whatever it you is. You need a good center channel because that's where that's, all the that's, dialogue that's comes out of the center. Exactly my, <laughs> that's exactly my complaint. Anyway, Sonny, you actually did see the I did see, mummy. I did see the, the new mummy. Tell uh, us about it. So what you have to understand about this movie is that this is Universal's attempt to create a shared cinematic universe. It's my reverb. We have so that's many the, sound effects. That's the reverb from my, my soundbar. That is some standard 2.0. Uh, uh, and it, it, uh, it's basically taking the old universal monsters, the your Frankensteins, your mummies, your Wolfmans, your Invisible Mans, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and cramming them all into modernity and saying they're all related. They're all related. So uh, this is their first attempt in this uh, uh, new series, and it's a bad one. It's not great. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, Chav King Arthur bad, but it is not particularly good. Uh, it is, it, so Tom Cruise, so we, we kind of open uh, on the uh, origin story of the mummy, you know, thousands of years ago, Egypt, uh, a female, a princess w- kills her father and newborn brother so she can assume the throne. And she's going to uh, uh, bring Set, the death god, the death god from Egypt, into the world and allow him to inhabit her chosen one, and they are going to rule in darkness. Blah, blah. So not the same evil, quite evil, story evil. as the original. Not exactly the same. Not exactly the same. Close enough, though. I mean, I'm it's, already uh, asleep. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, but it's it's the same. It's close enough to every mummy story that we've seen before. And then I thought, I thought once when when we, I heard rumors uh, that there was this new mummy movie coming out, for some reason I thought they were going to try to model it after the original original was it Boris Karloff the mummy no. or something like that but no, no. Uh, so anyway you know flash forward to the present uh, and Tom Cruise is a army reconnaissance officer or possibly a he's, a, he's an American recon, reconnaissance uh, officer he goes around stealing antiquities and uh, is trying to steal antiquities in a certain place when they discover the big sarcophagus where the evil mummy is being kept, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. None of this matters. It's a mummy movie. You've seen this movie before at least two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has all the same kind of beats where she is killing people to, you know, uh, steal their their souls and, you know, regenerate her figure and whatever. Um, the reason this movie exists is for all of the stuff with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe plays Dr. Jekyll, of course. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Uh, is it obvious from the outset? Oh, this is what's going on. Well, here. You, I mean, it's from it's in all the trailers. Uh, so, like, I feel like this is you know. Anyway, it's it's he plays Doctor Jekyll, uh, and 
Dr. Jekyll runs Prodigium, which is a uh, a semi-government, semi-secret uh, organization dedicated to stop fighting the occult around the world. And this is like the kind of hub around which all of these Universal monster movies is going to uh, rotate. Um, you Wait, so this is the equivalent of like the Muto thing. The yes. Government, uh, yes. In exactly. The mo- okay. Yeah. Monster or verse. or Shield. Uh, in, gotcha. in the Marvel universe, I mean, it, the the idea is that Doctor Jekyll will be kind of Sorry, Project Monarch, keeping yep, keeping an eye on all of the various things. And you know, there's there's a semi cool scene, but also just kind of semi terrible scene where Tom Cruise is like wandering around the Prodigium offices and he sees like skulls and jars. It's like there's a human skull and a human skull, then a skull with fangs. Oh my God, Dracula! It's Dracula, guys. Dracula's in this universe. Anyway, uh, so like I said, it's not Chav King Arthur bad. It does a, a better job of like setting up uh, this world in which we are going to have other future installments. Um, but it is bad. It's bad. It's it's a it's a bad movie, and it is it's it is not well done, and it is uh, it is failing at the box office domestically. It had a pretty big open overseas, but yeah, uh, huge in China. I saw, but uh, I, I I do think that it's it's going to kind of die on the vine. Uh, when you were done watching this movie, did you think to yourself, uh, "I made a smart choice by going," or no? Yeah, well, I mean, look, you, one has to uh, experience the culture in order mm. to grapple with it. That, that's, that's my true. that's my theory of because life. you know, Sonny, there is a smarter choice. The Dollar Shave Club is a smarter choice. You'll get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you didn't need. When I use my Dollar Shave Club executive razor with their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, the blade glides ever so gently and gives me such a smooth shave. Plus, their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave, helps prevent ingrown hairs and fights razor bumps. Now, listeners to the substandard can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel any time you like, but why would you? You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. So uh, my question is, does Universal have control of the dark universe then? Because Universal did the mummy, are they going to do the whole thing? Is it going to be Universal? Well, you know, this is I, I because then that'll lead to all these grinds. At so the I, park. I have, a, I have a. Th- well, yeah, I mean, they have the rights to these movies starring these people with like these these you know plot points. But like the, one of the problems with the whole dark universe concept is that unlike the MCU, unlike the DC EU. Uh, Universal doesn't actually own the underlying property. I mean, it's not; it's in the public domain. Frankenstein's in the public domain. Uh, uh, the Mummy is in the public domain. These are just things that that are out there. Uh, I think, right? Is is the Mummy? In, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, I don't think it would be too hard to uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde that in the public domain again. So, like, the the idea here uh, is that. They, they are trying to craft a universe out of stuff that anybody can play with. And I'm not sure how that works. Like, yeah. I, I remember the Dracula Untold movie was supposed to be 
kind of the the first entry in the series, I, I think. And you can't make a Dracula movie be the the center of your of your universe because vampires are just out there in the public domain. Anybody can do anything they want. Right. Or but what's to stop Paramount or uh, right Twentieth Century right. Fox? from doing yep. their own movie right. and then ruining the dark universe, exactly. right? And so, and the other problem here is that because they have these kind of well-known properties that are of questionable provenance to them, they have tried to compensate by using stars. So Tom Cruise is the mummy, Russell Crowe is Dr. Jekyll, Johnny Depp has been cast to play the Invisible Man, Javier Bardem has been cast to play Frankenstein. And, uh, you know, we are in a post-star universe, we are in a we are in a we are in a it's world depressing. where movie stars do not open movies anymore, and if you have no property, and you are trying to bank on these guys opening giant movies, I just don't see how it works. I mean, I, Disney uh, learned this lesson a few years back with Johnny Depp and the Lone Ranger, like the Lone Ranger tanked. Disasters. Is it true Trivial. that we live in a post-star universe overseas? Because this seems to me to be the first cinematic universe that has expanded as a foreign box office first proposition. Mm -hmm. They seem to think that whatever they get from America is gravy, but that this franchise is going to be a global franchise first, right? Uh, I, as opposed I, to, and which is a flipping on its head and, and the that, way most Hollywood. And that'll certainly. Make up for uh, a lot of the cost in places like China, for example. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think that you Sunny. you have you see some examples of this with like Fast and Furious, right? Like Fast and Furious is a foreign box office power first. Right. Uh, the Pirates of but the didn't Caribbean start that movies way. are well, no, didn't no, start but that way. but they are now. I mean, they yes. for the last three yes. three entries in the series have been foreign True. first and True. Um, uh, but in but again, even with these movies, like Warcraft, also Universal Property, Warcraft is another movie that is definitely foreign first, but that right. is based entirely on property. It's based. It, there's no there are no stars in that movie. Right. There's so I mean I I, I I I do think that Tom Cruise opens movies overseas. I think Will Smith opens movies overseas. Vin um, Diesel maybe. Vin Diesel maybe. Johnny Depp maybe for all I know. I just That's haven't right. looked at the numbers Depp. closely. I don't, yeah. I don't know if Johnny Depp does, but jo some of the properties. John, I mean, like, again, Pirates of the Caribbean like does right. well, Jack does really, really well overseas. So I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe but, he'll be like a semi-effeminate invisible man who's drunk all the time. I mean, really I, I would assume that's exactly what he's going to be. I would assume that's. I would assume he's going to play that exact character. <laughs> you see the various rags and scarves floating around. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can tell it's well Johnny Depp. Thank you, thank you, JBL. Um, do we, we we had deeper thoughts, didn't we, about monsters in general? Our, what we find our favorite classic monsters? Did we want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. You guys want? I mean, I'm like I Sunny. Yeah. I'm I'm never I've never been a big universal monsters guy. I never have really cared about the Frankenstein mummy invisible man movies. And this is why all of this is kind of baffling to me. It is weird that Universal keeps trying to reboot these guys like with the Benicio del Toro Wolfman or this mummy reboot. I just I don't quite get it. I don't know. JVL what are what are your JVL. thoughts? I I really liked Hollow Man, but that's about it. The the Paul Verhoeven Invisible Man yeah. with Kevin Bacon, but Kevin that's Bacon. I, I think Vic. I think this might be your wheelhouse. Y yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. I I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, it's not anything I took an early interest in. I was I was already four years old in nursery school when I got my Bram uh, Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. No, it was. <laughs> I ready for this. It was. Um, classic monster stories, and it was the recordings of the movie Dracula with Bela Lugosi and Frankenstein with uh, Boris Karloff and on vinyl. So you had a, a this is, I hate to date myself, this is 1977, 78, and people uh, don't mind that you're 60. <laughs> 
It's fine. That's Nobody's fine. gonna hold no, that no, against no. you. I'm 60, but I look like I'm 70. Yeah, which is which is why <laughs> I'm on a really podcast. Young. Which is why I'm on a podcast. Anyway, um, it was a fantastic album. The album. I think I got it because of the album cover because it had all the monsters all together. Was it a picture disc? Yeah. No. No. It was. You know. I mean. Uh, I'm just talking. Do about people the... know what picture discs? Are? No. It what was... is a picture disc? Picture disc is a vinyl album that is that has art on, on, on it, the on a vinyl on album. the vinyl part that plays and it plays even though it has yes it, it's no, crazy this was that you wouldn't even believe it that was not no that was doesn't not it, it make doesn't it make the the disc skip no. doesn't it like create like no like, somehow they do it seamless so technology yeah. <laughs> from RCA no uh, yeah. it was uh, it, but the cover art was just fantastic because it was all the illustrations of I remember uh, the, the pictures of the Wolfman Dracula Frankenstein so I was in it early on and loved it. And then I think my first Dracula movie I saw was in the late 70s, and it was, um, or early 80s, of course, on HBO. It was a Madison <laughs> Family special. It was Dracula with Frank Langella, um, and he was a young man at the time. And, and that scared the hell out of me, because it, w- it had the single scariest scene that I remembered for many years later, which is where um, the other girl, um, uh, Lucy... Um, she falls, you know, she gets, you know, she turns into a vampire and they have to kill her, right? They have to, you know, drive the stake through her heart after she dies so that she doesn't come back from the dead. And they go into this deep cave or whatever it is. And the father drops the crucifix in the well and can't find it. And it's that very moment that he can't find the crucifix that she appears. And And she's she's naked, right? No, no. She's ghostly looking and she's saying, Papa, this whole thing. And my mother... Next to us in bed, starts saying the same thing, Papa, and we just jumped out of the bed, cried. <laughs> hey, come on, kids, come back to the bed. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> growing up in your house must have been so <laughs> it was, awesome. It was like Bellevue, and it was. Uh, uh, so anyway, that was the first Frank. Le- that was that was uh, Frank Lagell's Dracula. I remember the Christopher Lee Dracula um, from like Sundays on TV. You know, they would always show those old ones. It was like Christopher Lee maybe versus Peter Cushing as Van Helsing or something. Oh. And, and those were gripping. That was very, uh, that was scary. That was like, you know, on Channel 5 on a Sunday. It was great stuff. Uh, and, and, and then uh, I guess uh, later on, I think if you're talking about favorite of all those kind of classic monsters, mine is, is Dracula. And I liked Bram Stoker's Dracula. Did you like that, Sonny? Uh, the Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, uh, Francis movie. Francis um, Ford Coppola's Dracula. Yes. Uh, you know that I, wasn't Scorsese. I mean, I get them mixed no. up. No, I mean it would have been better if it had been Scorsese. No, of course, of course. No, it but, would have been better if it was Patty Jenkins. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> she would have been very young. It would have been better as Scorsese, best as Patty Jenkins. Somebody will get very to that in upset a about Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's really we'll get to yes, that in a minute. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I I thought it was fine. I mean, it's one of these weird Keanu Reeves movies where it's like, what? What exactly is, he, is right. he doing? I, I can here? see Winona Ryder there. Yeah, and Anthony uh, Hopkins for Anthony Hopkins yeah, and, and Gary like, Oldman. Yeah, but, but then and then, it, Keanu? and then Keanu Reeves, who I like a lot. Again, and he has his purposes. It just I'm I, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, I don't know about <laughs> this. Count Dracula, we just sign the papers, please. Sorry, that was, and then he gets stuck. Thank you. And then he gets stuck there with the vampiruses, one of whom is a, uh, one of whom is, uh, I forget her name now, is uh, uh, a famous actress, and she played, she was like one of the minor characters in in that movie. Um, Yes, uh, Italian name, Italian named actress. Uh, And in any event, uh, you keep moving. Yes, it was a great, I really liked that Dracula. The music was fantastic, and it was equal parts. 
scary, horrifying, disturbing, and kind of romantic. Yeah. But and I think it only Gary Oldman. Yeah. Could yeah. pull that off because he was. Fantastic. It is definitely one of the great Gary Oldman performances. Monica Bellucci. That, thank you very much, Monica Bellucci. Uh, that was going to kill me. The thing with the thing with Gary Oldman, they said they he had serious um, fights with Coppola on the set, well, and sure. Hopkins had to be the guy the, in the middle. Oldman was fighting with Coppola. Yeah, about it, what? Uh, Just I don't like know. direction, roll, maybe roll. direction, and which and then, way to take the character. And, and Hopkins would step in, and Hopkins would turn to Gary and just say, "Gary, just don't. It's not worth it. Don't do it." Gary, just read the words. Just read, just read the words. <laughs> and, and Hopkins is so good at yeah. what he does. And and the strange thing I is, can actually yeah. see Anthony Hopkins just kind of sitting there rolling his eyes like, yes, God, these yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I remember the first 3D movie I saw in a theater. It was a special um, uh, promo. I think it was connected with Burger King or something. And you got the 3D glasses, the paper ones, mm-hmm. which I love because they're very flexible around my head. And uh, I went to see uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh. So it was a real throwback. Yeah. And it was a pointless. I mean, the movie's pointless. Yeah. Just oh, uh, this is what it is, you know. And then there the is creature a comes there's, out. there's a creature from the Black Lagoon reference in uh, the new Mummy. It's like kind of a blink and you miss it thing. You know, there's like a webbed hand. So that in one could of the even jars. that yeah. could even be in the yeah. dark universe. And I would say, and lastly, my other favorite Dracula was uh, from 1979, and it was the comedy Love at First Bite with George Hamilton and Susan St. James and Richard Benjamin. I saw I, that. Thank you, yeah, uh, JV. pretty funny. I thought it was funny, and but I wondered, is it funny? And George, I like George Hamilton, and is it funny now, or was it funny then? And you know who would have a definitive answer would be, of course, J-Pod, and he could tell us. John could what, tell us. Was it funny at the time? Because I just remember the scene with the cameo by Sherman Hemsley of the Jeffersons jumping through stained glass window, and I thought it was hilarious. So, I don't know. I was going to ask you boys what your f- two things your favorite cinematic universe and the cinematic universe you would really like to have. Which raises a foundational question, what is a cinematic universe? So I don't think Star Wars counts. I think for a cinematic universe, you need to have independent entities operating on their own that happen to overlap. Mm -hmm. And so like Star Trek doesn't count. Otherwise, because it's franchise. A a CU is different from a franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is what... Like the Marvel things give you this is the first one in Hollywood might be Alien Predator, maybe I can tell yeah. you where it started in the culture. Where I did can it, pinpoint exactly where did it start in the culture? Amazing Spider-Man number five. Okay, because they cross over. Amazing with... Spider-Man number five. Doctor Doom shows up as the villain. Doctor Doom has previously only lived in the Fantastic Four, and so even though readers of the Marvel books at the time knew that all of these characters lived in Manhattan they did not know that it was the same Manhattan. And this was the moment when people's heads just exploded because they were like, well, I can what? see that. Yeah, I can They're see all that. in the same... So anybody could show up anywhere. And after that, that's what Marvel started doing is making people show up everywhere. Because they basically knew that it worked. By yeah. 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 So that was, that was the get. birth of the expanded universe for Marvel. Well, what is yeah. yours, JVL? My favorite universe as it is now... I I mean, probably the the Marvel Universe, because I'm such a fanboy. The, the one I want to see, though, I mean, aside from the Chav Universe, um, I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I have two. One is I wouldn't mind a super spy cinematic universe where we have Salt and Jason Bourne and the Atomic Blonde all sort of running around in their own spy stories that happen to touch one another. And I would not mind a Mark Millar cinematic universe where Kick-Ass and Kingsman and maybe Nemesis all exist again i don't need them overlapping a lot but little little touches where it becomes clear that hey these guys all live in the same world 
and actually they would fit. I think I think Kickass fits in the same world as uh, Kingsman and could easily fit in the same world as Nemesis. Interesting. Sunny. Sunny. All right. Uh, so the one I would want to have exist is the uh, is the artificial intelligence slash robot universe where Blade Runner is fighting Terminator, is fighting Tur- <gasps> RoboCop. Oh, is fighting. Oh, is fighting. Is fighting. Listeners, be glad yeah. you can't see this. It, oh, is fighting short circuit. That's the that's the cinematic universe I want. Uh, I think that would be pretty great. The best one, I mean, look, I think, look, I'm a DCEU fanboy. I love the DC movies. I think Marvel has done it better than anybody else. They've kind of organically built it. They essentially, I mean, look, they didn't invent the post credit scene, I guess, but they have kind of standardized it. They To the point where the director of The Mummy said, we will never have a post credit scene in the Dark Universe movies because that is a Marvel thing. That's their, 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 so they have like, they have done a good job of like nurturing their characters and kind of creating shared plot lines and shared worlds and teasing people for the next thing. I mean, I, I like as much as it pains me to admit Marvel does this better than anyone else. Can I, can I propose something? Yeah. What if there was an expanding universe that mixed the world of Leon, the professional with Harry Potter, Leon, Vic, would that do anything for you? <laughs> no? I didn't see that coming. Uh, I just wasn't expecting Was this that. whole Sorry. segment a setup for that joke? <laughs> no. Hint to God, I just can't. Divine inspiration. That, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I, I, the joke here is that they both have young girls in them. That's, that, that's that the Leon, joke. Did you say Leon or the professional? What did you just say? Did you say Leona the professional? <laughs> I, uh, they have, no, I was just saying that one is like an interesting hitman without yeah. remorse in no. Europe, yeah. and the other is European wizardry. Yeah. And I think and that that would be sort of an interesting. Yes, yes. I would like to see yes. Leon uh-huh. himself take on Lord Voldemort. There you go. That's 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 worth it. How about how about a how about a rom com exp- extended universe of like the people from when Harry met Sally. And sleepless in Seattle, and you've got mail. Of course, Meg Ryan is in all three. That would be a problem. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, that's that would actually be great. great. You know, great, they yeah. run into each other in the city because you know I've always wanted to see a movie. Gary Marshall. I would like oh, all Gary, Gary Marshall. Marshall. Gary Marshall universe. universe. Gary, Gary Marshall. Marshall. Drew Barrymore never been kissed. It's all in one pretty woman. It's all crazy. It's crazy. But you know, I've always loved to see a movie where like a current rom com, and all of a sudden they come across Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan playing their characters from You Got Me. I, I, you're just in passing. Just throw me that. And you know what would be a great, this is uh, on a tangent here, I'd love to do a sequel to You've Got Mail where it's like Arthur 2 on the rocks. They both have no money because the book industry's dead. <laughs> and how do, what do, do they do? Do you know the yeah, most controversial expanded universe? What is that, JVL? The Disney animation expanded universe where it has been hinted at that the worlds of Frozen, Tangled, and The Little Mermaid are all the same world. Where has it been hinted at? So In the movies? In the yeah. internet. In the movies. Oh, no, in the no, movie. in, the movies. Yeah, in the movies. In the movies. So if you were watching Frozen in the ship, be- uh, so the, sh- the, the ship that Anna and Elsa's parents sink and die on, we believe is the ship that Ariel, the sunken ship that Ariel goes and visits in the beginning of The Little Mermaid. And at the end of Frozen when everybody shows up you see uh, Mandy Moore 
from and and the boy from Tangled. It was a garbage. Movie. Oh yeah, I remember. Th- I remember uh, that. They they uh, walk like past you on the bridge. The they come in for the celebration. Uh, yes, that's that's very clear. She has the cut so, hair. So at least Tangled and Frozen yeah, are in the same yeah, universe. But it is it's possible yeah. that, that yes, they, they, she has the cut well, hair. That was, I believe, at the time, the most expensive movie ever made. Do you remember that Tangled? It was, was like it? insane. Yeah, it was. Oh, I didn't it was that. like an insane three. It, it was. If you look at it, look at look that up. It the the budget. No, 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 no. The budget for Tangled was insane. I'll go. I'll insane. go effort this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, yeah. there, there was there Sunny. was another controversial, possibly connected, expanded universe. This is the uh, uh, Alien Blade Runner connection. There was like a. In Prometheus, I believe there was a discussion. Really, you know, Peter Whalen just talking about one of his, and I, I can't remember if this is actually in the movie or if it's in like an uh, an added scene or you know when it was or something. But like his Whalen is talking about his friend who has created the androids, and you know, yes. the, yeah. But it was it was all oh, right, of course, androids. Yes. Well, um, two hundred sixty million dollar budget. For <laughs> Good Lord, is that insane? <laughs> what did all that money go to? Mandy Moore. Okay, um, the idiot horse who fights with a sword in its mouth—that's where the movie went to. <laughs> you know what's uh, you, you know what's insane. Wait, what did that gross worldwide? I'm sorry, Go I'm ahead. sorry. Can we? Yeah, what? It, it, I what think it covered it. Five ninety-one. That's so that's close. Very, very, very close. And what's his name from that NBC show? Um, uh, who plays a spy? Um, he Chuck. He was the voice of the prince, All right. or the okay. dastardly yeah. prince. I think we're ready this to move was on. A law, this was a proof of concept, though, for Disney animation. Uh, in the, the, That's the, the right. John, so as John Lasseter has taken uh-huh. over Disney animation, Tangled is the proof of concept that they can do they can Pixar-level movies. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. There's some cute scenes in the tavern. Um, we're going to get angry tweets from David Hirsiani, who loves Tangled. Hirsiani? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. I hate it. Okay, um, bad mother. That movie is about bad mothers. Okay, uh, uh, speaking of bad, how about that photo sent to us from substandard listener Catherine Lowe? She was at a cheesecake factory and took a picture of the cheesecake factory's smart food menu, or what's it called, Skinny Licious menu? Skinny Licious. Are you sure that's? I don't skinny know. Like, I don't know. If that was skinny Licious. Something else. Anyway, uh, do you remember what was at the top? Avocado toast. So what's the deal there? I don't Sunny. know. I don't. I keep hearing stories about how millennials can't buy houses because they buy too much uh, avocado toast, <laughs> and I actually don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like just if it's just toast with avocado on it. I don't know if it's like avocado that's been toasted. I don't know if it's bread that is formed of the mutilated remains of avocados. I don't. I don't know what it is. So my I, wife. All I know have. is that it's un, it costs an ungodly amount well, of money. That, that's exactly. No, what it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, you're just you know doing it is? again. Yes. Okay. One no. more it's, it's, time. It's eight ninety five. It's eight dollars ninety five cents. You know, it's cheaper than that for double, toast. Double quarter pounder with cheese for toast. Yeah. So, so that's it. My wife at home, I think last week or the other week, she had toast, and she had avocado. And she put it on top. I think that's what the avocado toast no. is. No. No. <laughs> what? What do you mean? That's a, okay. You spread it on top, and there you go. Eight ninety five. No. For eight hundred thirty calories. No. All right. JBL, All right, JVL, you, you clearly know what avocado, avocado toast. toast. So you start with a really good multi grain bread. Okay, you already lost me. And you take your avocado and you grill it 
which is sort of the important part. You can just like slice an avocado. So you take the avocado and you grill the avocado. Where do you, how do you, do you put you like in a pan? You fry it or like, do you put it over open flame? I don't. In theory, you do it on a, an open flame. You, put you on, slice like, you, it open? You put, yes, you can put an avocado on the grill, on your grill, and outside that you burn your animal meat into? on. Wait, wait, wait. I have a your question. animal flesh. I have a question. What? Can you only do it with the parabolic solar rays <laughs> that you the use? Infrared. To, the, the infrared. The infrared rays. Hey, Vic, what time is it? Forty six, forty three. You know what? You know what? I'm not gonna, since I have to edit this fucking show. You're not going to, I am not going to do it. It's very hard to edit the bleep. So, sorry. It's true. You grill the avocado and you then scoop it out, slice it down, put it on top, drizzle it with a little bit of olive oil, sprinkle some sea salt on it, and then you eat it, and it's delicious. Now you might say to me, "Oh, I could just put an avocado on my." And sure, you can, but you can do anything at home. You could make yourself uh, eggplant parmesan at home. You can make yourself a cup of coffee at home. People still go out and exchange money for these things so they don't have to do the task themselves. I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> I really like avocado toast, especially so when I get it from Le Pain Quotidien. Oh, my so gosh. I like watching you... Leon yeah. at Le Pain Quotidien <laughs> while you, I eat my yeah, avocado yes, toast. This is after you buy your uh, Pantene products and... Uh, and other things. I can't think of what I was going to say. In Sorry. my prana jeans. <laughs> Your prana jeans. Uh, Sonny, yes, this is wrong, uh, right? I mean, this look. Is, this is wrong. I, I, well, look, all I know is that this is why we can't have nice things. So yeah. that's yeah. what that's what the trend pieces uh, are telling me. Don't that's you like white chocolate? Yeah, white uh, chocolate. Yes, is he a, does. White yeah. chocolate is a million times better than hey, Gabe, avocado I toast. I told you. White <laughs> it's chocolate, not my fault. White chocolate is the best thing that exists uh, in the chocolate spectrum. But white chocolate is not actually chocolate. If is you're it? ranking, it's something else. if you're ranking chocolates, oh, really? oh, white boy. chocolate is number one. Milk chocolate is number two. Mm-hmm. Nothing is number three. Mm-hmm. Dark chocolate is mm-hmm. number four. I would rather eat nothing than dark chocolate. I rank uh, uh, Goober's number one. Raisinets number two and snow caps number three. I don't see where the, that's uh, that's just throwing that out there okay. too. Okay, just wanted okay. to throw that out there. I had nothing to add to the white chocolate. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Okay, uh, corrections, additions. JBL, I think you have a correction I do. and an apology. I do. Frankly, oh my gosh, I do. This is okay uh, for the three people who listened to last week's show. Sonny said that he thought that Wonder Woman would easily go over $300 million, would erode by about 45% this week, week to week. And I said no. I said that I thought it wasn't out of the question, but that the odds were were better than even that it would not. Uh, and I was wrong. And I was so wrong. And the reason I was wrong is because I did not appreciate how important the movie Wonder Woman is. Uh, Wonder Woman is not going to make $300 million. It's going to make $17 billion at the box office. And the reason it's going to do that is because it's changing lives every day. Patty Jenkins over the weekend, guys. Did you see this? No. Patty Jenkins, the, uh, the auteur, tweeted out a thing that her producer gave to her, which is an account of something that happened this week <sighs> in a kindergarten class where all the girls had seen Wonder Woman. And these girls' lives were changed. Wait a minute. What, girls, ra- what rating is Wonder Woman? Yeah, why are these kindergartners these going to Wonder Woman? Found their voice because of that film, and one of them, when she saw a boy in her class mm-hmm. throwing a candy wrapper on the playground, shouted at him, "Pick up your trash! Don't pollute the earth! This is why no boys are allowed in Thermoskia." <laughs> and they started changing their sketches for their performance. So they could be more empowering about Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. They changed plans for their birthday party. They started coming to school in their Wonder Woman costumes mm-hmm. and banding together. And you know what? When they were when they were playing Wonder Woman together, these girls they didn't fight with each other. They fought against the evil imaginary men. 
and it's just so woke and so beautiful to see young girls. I and I've now seen this in my own life. Uh, there is there is a ten year old girl who's a friend of my daughter in her class, and she discovered the the actual how you achieve cold fusion over the weekend after seeing <laughs> Wonder Woman. Another another girl I know Wait a uh, was able was to throw a seventy mile an hour fastball. Um, and she realized that she should not be playing softball. Softball is a tool of the patriarchy. She should be playing baseball. And this, I'm sorry. I, this is the mother of all corrections. I just get a little emotional when I think about what this film means, and not just to women, but to men too. Yes. Women can I, do science. Mm-hmm. Even though they believe in things like magic lassos, uh, they can do science if they wanted to. It very, it's very specific. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Can't Wonder Woman will here. be the number one movie in America for the rest of the year, and if it isn't, it's because of sexism and the patriarchy. And I hope that Joss Whedon recuts Justice League: Dawn of Justice to make it all Wonder Woman all the time, but with Cyborg carrying her shield for her and helping her with odd jobs and menial tasks, unless that's problematic. Thank you, JVL, for that wonderful uh, Andy Rooney editorial. That was that was and another thing. Um, but, but it, hey, look, uh, on the bright side, this is also uh, great for Gal Gadot, as we were Gadot. recently told. Gadot. Gadot. Thank you to a substandard listener for telling us Gal Gadot. That's a good thing. And maybe these girls will be against the BDS movement. So who knows? Um, spirit of the week. I just want to thank. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, you guys wait, don't I, have any I, corrections? I, just want to I have none. I have none. I just want to thank JBL for uh, acknowledging this movie. And I, I, I realize, you know, he's a little bit upset because Wonder Woman has grossed more in its second weekend than in its second weekend than uh, Chav King Arthur did in its entire you know, you domestic know what? Can run. Can I say something here, Sonny? It's very. It's can yeah. I say something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I was doing a lot of introspection this weekend. Think about this: Chav King Arthur at no point do two women whose names we know have a conversation together about something other than a boy. Yeah. No, that's right. And it's just. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's why it's so important. I don't know if you guys know this. Vulture, the New York uh, New York magazine, ran a great piece about about the Mummy universe this this week. And what they said was, they said showed an enormous promise because this is a chance for Universal to allow more female filmmakers and filmmakers of color to take control of the cinematic universe. And that as this weekend's Wonder Woman box office returns showed, that's really great for business uh, because that is what audiences respond to. And it's important. And so the only reason a studio would would give a movie to a male director who's white is because they, they don't even care about making money, these Hollywood <laughs> studios. They don't even care about making money. You're going to be really upset when Black Panther grosses $100 million <laughs> in its opening weekend, aren't you? $500 million. $500 million. Thank you, it's so important. Thank you. Spirit of Did the Did you guys have any corrections? No, I have none. No, no. I have none. I have none this week. He doesn't have any corrections because he didn't doubt me. He didn't <laughs> doubt me like some people in this room. Sonny, are you going to stay on $300 million or what? what is your oh, final no. well, number? I, I said at least $300 No, no, that's what I'm saying. What is, what is your final number for this? I don't know. I mean, uh, I could see it doing three fifty. Uh, oh, come on. More than I could that. See it, I could see it. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll hit $400. Um, Unless everything this summer is terrible, which is not out of the question. But people are just going to see it over and over and I over do th- again. I mean, I do think people are going to see it multiple yeah. times. So yeah. I, I would say 350. $17 billion is where I put the over-under line. The new, the new look. And this is just another, just another big win for the DCEU. Just a, they, can't, they cannot lose domestically. Marvel movies do better overseas, just like Transformers movies do better overseas. 
big explosions. Not you much know, to say about. JVL has gone a phrase that we used to say back in the day. JVL and I used to say in the office, he went limp biscuit. He went limp biscuit, and I think that originated because I was complaining about a limp biscuit song uh, for Mission <laughs> Impossible, <laughs> where they you remember yes, that. And, and and it was like the, in the limp biscuit Mission Impossible song. One of the things that annoys me are bands that talk about the names of the bands in their songs, and it was like limp biscuit's gonna rock you, limp biscuit, and really in the song. For Mission Impossible, yeah. and then I just went on and on, and then so I go, and JVL said that was out of control, and then everything from that became that was Limp Biscuit. So uh, JVL has a Limp Biscuit moment. I, w- I would suggest yes. people go go read John Podhartz's excellent piece in the Weekly Standard about Wonder Woman. Okay, it's great. Spirit of the week, Sunny. Uh, this week we're drinking Kahlua because we're taping a little bit early. <laughs> it's an early morning. Taping a little bit early, so, so we wanted a coffee you know, liqueur. I, I really think that we should tape early in the morning every week because this has gone awesome. <laughs> we we are drinking sombreros. Yeah. So my mother-in-law, Linda Dwyer, will appreciate that. That's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in substandard on a podcast. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. So drinking some brows, is that sign that you guys are bad on immigration is that why your mother-in-law would be because you guys you're overthinking it you're overthinking it mrs dwyer be like eh, kind of cucky no no No, she likes sombreros she likes sombreros on the very rare occasion on the very rare occasion they're her favorite she doesn't she doesn't she loves sombreros it's fine i don't even know if you're allowed to call them that anymore actually because that could be uh, this whole thing could be very this whole uh, this whole episode could be offensive uh sunny do you have any other thoughts on anything no. <laughs> I have You're no okay? other thoughts on I anything. was going to be, you know what I forgot to mention, on my uh, flight uh, back from Texas, or back and forth from Texas, uh, I took for the first time Virgin America. I've never flown that before. First time and the last time, because they're going away. What are you talking about? Virgin America is going away. You're kidding me. No. What they're is this amazing. happening? Uh, I so, know. Yeah, I love them. They, the inside yeah, enjoy of, it while you can. The inside of the cabin has like the interior of a bachelor party limo. And then the flight attendants are just stunningly attractive. I mean, it's insane. My favorite part is the insanely catchy yes. buckle your seatbelt yes, video. Yes, absolutely. Which you can see I that video. can't stop humming if for like you, hours after each of these it's flights. It's funny. It's, it's, it's great. It, keep, it puts Beautifully everybody. choreographed. It, I looked for that on YouTube because yeah, I just wanted too. to watch I it. Did, that's so funny. I did yeah. too. If you do show notes, we'll have to put a link to that. It puts everybody in, no the, in, the, in, the, in, the, puts everybody in a good mood uh, on the plane. And on my way back, for some reason... I couldn't get my seat assignment um, until I got to the uh, front desk. And the guy says, to, I, he, he literally says to me, he goes, well, the bad news is uh, it's a middle seat. Uh, but the good news is all our, you're sitting next to two flight attendants and our flight attendants are hot. He said that. Is wow. that kind of like that's kind of like? I hope you reported him. To I Virgin did. America. I was Very so problematic. You should How send, dare you, you should, sir? Did you call his supervisor you right should, there? You should send this anecdote what to Patty you Jenkins. <laughs> you know what, Vic? May I have a little movie? Maybe you should go see. Wonder I Woman. would like you to go see Wonder Woman, you go then, see Wonder Woman, then see how you react in that situation. What would you think of it then? I'm sure it's fine. <laughs>